We're back. Season three is here. Hey. This is episode 62, our Nakwa mashup. This episode is brought to you by Moonshot Missions. Hi, this is Kathy Bernardino Bailey, Executive Director of the Greater Cincinnati Waterworks Department. This is the podcast that is demonstrating the power of women in the water sector. It's water in real life with my friends, the H2 duo, Stephanie Zavala and Ariane Shipley. Hey, water nerds, what's your moonshot? George Hawkins, former chief executive of DC Water, is president and founder of Moonshot Missions. Moonshot is a nonprofit organization seeking to disrupt the current approach to delivering improvements to water systems. Led by seasoned and skilled experts, Moonshot Missions designs replicable models that help utilities overcome the challenges they face in order to move forward. Moonshot can help you assess your system, select solutions from a pre-vetted menu of projects, plus develop innovative financing approaches. You are not in this alone. Moonshot Missions will help you collaborate with other leaders to work together, develop tailored mission plans, and share lessons learned. Together, you can build water systems that work more efficiently and effectively to protect and provide for the residents you serve while also saving your customers money. If you'd like to learn more or even share your own experience that might be helpful for a struggling utility to adopt and start on a positive path, visit moonshotmissions.org or email george at moonshotmissions.org. We are so excited to be kicking off season three with episode 62, a mashup of our talk with several folks from the NACWA board and NACWA committees. We were beyond honored to be asked to keynote the Stratcom's conference this past summer as their luncheon keynote. Uh, It was unreal. It was such an incredible experience and we got to meet so many amazing people, including the four individuals that we got to interview we kick off with Lisa Van Riper, who's the Director of Enterprise Communication and Alex Renew in Alexander, Virginia, but also the co-vice chair on the NACWA Communication Committee. Lisa has extensive experience working in the private sector marketing world, including with companies like CarMax and Frito-Lay. So she really brings a fresh perspective to how we brand water. And she explains that branding matters in water just as much because it's how we communicate to customers that their bill is an investment in the public health and the environment of their community. It's how we teach people that water is, quote unquote, a national treasure. Her words, amazing. We also spoke with Bess McCoy, Public Affairs Specialist at the Metropolitan St. Louis Sewer District and also a NACWA Communication Committee Officer. And she spoke with us about the importance of being out in the community to convey the value of water and how they've built awareness around their flooding program. So being in North Central Texas, which is often water stressed, water starved, sometimes you know we forget how important it is to communicate the importance of stormwater issues, especially those that promote public safety and preparedness. We talked internal comms with Tom Sigmund, the executive director at New Water in Green Bay, Wisconsin, who was involved with NACWA's Utility of the Future program and also serves on the board of directors. We asked him why internal communications was so important, and he said if your employees aren't on board, the public won't be either. Communication really begins internally. If you listen to the podcast at all, you know that we talk about that all the time. And this means sometimes, you know, stretching our leaders outside of their comfort zone and getting out there in front of the employees. But Tom says, you know, just make it weird until it's not. (laughs) Just like anything else, practice makes perfect. Finally, we end with the Kyle Dreyfus Wells, the CEO at Northeast Ohio Regional Sewer District, who is also a NACWA board member. 
During her opening remarks at Stratcom, she touched on their approach to communication, which she called the three T's. So we asked her to kind of delve into those a little further, but they are timely, transparent, and thoughtful. And if you follow Njords on social, you see how this idea is integrated into all of their communication efforts. She also talks about the 50th anniversary of the Cuyahoga River Fire and how they're messaging that in their community as a success to their community members and a story that shows the Clean Water Act works. So great episode. So many great takeaways from these four folks. And without further ado, let's get to the show. All right. So we are excited to be here with Lisa Van Riper, who is the NACWA co-vice chair of the NACWA communication committee, but also as her day job, (laughs) the director of communication at Alexandria Renew Enterprises. So thank you so much for spending some time with us today, Lisa. I'm delighted to be here with you too. (laughs) So you have a lot of experience working communication in the private sector for major companies like Frito-Lay and CarMax, companies that spend a lot of time and a lot of money managing that brand. But branding is not a word that gets used a lot in water or sometimes not used correctly. Um, (laughs) It doesn't get a lot of love sometimes. You moderated a session this morning. uh, Does my utility have to be cool? And, you know, we we could hear some of the eyes rolling in terms of, oh, gosh, do I have does my utility have to be cool? (laughs) But we know that it doesn't. It's about building trust. And, you know, to us, no other industry out there needs to build trust as much so as water utilities. So correct. Talk to us why branding is so important to this industry and why we need to start taking this seriously, especially from a workforce perspective. Okay. So branding for any industry, but particularly the water industry, is really important because it's a starting point for shaping your messages. It's a starting point for really creating the vital connections with our customers and getting them to understand that their bill is an investment in public mm. health and the health of the environment. Uh, it's They are, when they turn on that tap, they are using a precious resource. And mm. we are so fortunate in this country to have clean water. And if you travel outside of the U.S., in a lot of places, you don't. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, getting, educating our customers, making those vital connections to help them really appreciate this resource that they have and steward it and love it, to fall in love with water. Um, And the branding helps that because it unifies your essentially it's a unifying force internally we talked a little bit in the session about engaging our workforce around the brand and it unifies them around the messages but it also helps to better explain what we do Um, we are alexandria's water transformers that's our brand because we transform dirty or used water into clean usable water and reusable resources and so that helps us to better explain who we are and what we do and it makes it understandable because I, I use this term uh, before when I've spoken, terms like flocculation and all that. Oh, it's yeah. like, what in the world is that? Nobody oh, yeah. can relate to that. Right. So, But they can relate to clean, 
water and reusable resources. And they're fascinated about the fact that we reuse the things that they send to us. Yeah. I love that you called yourself water transformers. Yeah. So more than meets the eye. Little 1980 shout out. Right there. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> nice. So, and with the workforce, so our workforce is aging and we have so many great expert workers um, in water, but at least at Alex Renew, about 35 to 40% of our workforce is on the cusp of retiring and we need to bring in the workforce of the future. And you have to recruit differently because like as as you know i've only been in water for 5 years and i had no idea of this amazing industry this treasure actually yeah. we are a national treasure Ooh, and nobody yes. knows that um and so i remember walking on the alex renew campus for the first time and seeing all the engineering and all the brilliance and all the hard work that goes into clean water and just getting so excited and if we can brand our jobs, jobs in water, and do it as an industry, I mean, there are different organizations that are doing it, but if we can unite as an industry and get out there and recruit our workforce of the future mm-hmm. and work together, I think not only will people understand water better, but they'll be excited about coming to work in water, just like I was. I mean, I could have gone any place else, but I chose water because it was so exciting and amazing. And the Ooh. opportunities were huge in water, just to learn and to work with amazing people and to use the left side of my brain a little more. <laughs> oh, man, that's beautiful. <laughs> she made me think about a San Antonio water system, and they have, well, they have their external affairs group, their education and outreach group mm-hmm. has... Um, have had this tour already that they do called rain to drain and it's for the public where they take they show people the entire process Mm -hmm. of how it all works but what they recently started doing within the past year or so is they created this onboarding program for interns and new employees Mm -hmm. called influent and they began taking them on this rain to drain tour as well and the level of accountability and ownership Mm -hmm. that it instills in these Mm -hmm. new interns or or folks who are Mm -hmm. just coming on board they're just eyes wide and Mm -hmm. like I had no idea Mm -hmm. that the utility did all these things so there's just even little things like that it's true that just make you recognize and and say things like that we are a national Mm -hmm. treasure that's amazing but you have to see it you have to see it. And yeah. we have an intern, or no, excuse me, we have an apprentice program at Alex Renew Ooh. that we started in 2013. And I was very privileged to be able to sit on the interview panel for our new class of apprentices. And we hire people with a lot of the skills that are needed, different skills, but we tour them around our campus and they come back and you can see how excited and engaged they are because you just don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, even we have a a pump station fence, a fence around our old, one of our oldest pump stations. Mm-hmm. It's an educational fence and it's 10 different um, interactives. And what's really cool about it is nobody knows what these mysterious brick buildings are yeah. out in the neighborhoods. Right. But when you get a chance to understand what's going on in there, it is so cool because mm-hmm. nobody really knows what they do. And then you learn about, you know, lifting water and sending it. And I mean, 
mean, it's just what's and underneath. And you're proud of it. Exactly. So we, we, we love to tour and we love to show people our pump station fence. And I remember going into a pump station for the first time and being fascinated right. as well. I mean, that's the thing. It's like, it's like you're opening up this treasure box and showing all the cool things that are inside. And then people get excited and engaged. Yeah. And branding and workforce branding helps with that, I yeah. think. So that was one of the things that I was actually going to ask you about was um, I had read somewhere that you guys had this pump station that you turned into this learning destination. (laughs) And so, okay, be still our public educator hearts over here. So (laughs) I was going to ask you to tell us a little more about that. So our CEO, Karen Palanche, uh, is a visionary and her vision is when you're doing a capital program to incorporate a community benefit and get feedback from the community to see what we can do and this is our oldest pump station and it needed to be upgraded so she went out in the community and talked with a couple of different community groups and they said can you beautify it somehow? Can you make it some kind of an education? So uh, we were very fortunate to be able to build this beautiful architectural fence with 10 different interactives. And when you walk up, it kind of shows, here's the water from the homes and businesses, and it comes here, and then it comes to us. I have a video of this. Yeah. I I have photos. I don't have a video, but I have photos. photos. And we, we have these giant pipes that show how big those pipes like just little pieces of simulated pieces of pipe that show that our pipes underground can be seven feet in diameter yeah it's at our pump station and it's next to an elementary school and by baseball fields and we are actually because we are doing construction on our campus starting june 30th um, we have to stop tours on our campus but we're doing alternative programming so we're going to have tours at the pump station and we're going to partner with some local environmental groups to help expand our education at the pump station we love that when alexandria renew enterprises explains what they do they keep it simple yes you keep it relevant to your audience Mm -hmm. Um, talk to us about what the alex renew brand is and Mm -hmm. some of the ways you're branding both internally such as workforce branding and externally such as your one water team Okay, so the One Water team is a little different. So can I talk about that first? Yes. Okay, so in Alexandria, there are three different water entities that serve Alexandria. There's Virginia American Water, mm-hmm. um, and then there's us, that, and we clean their water. But there's also the city of Alexandria, and they own the sanitary sewer system and the stormwater. So as you can imagine, for a customer in Alexandria, it's like, Whose bill am I getting and why am I paying yeah, this? Right. So a couple of years ago, uh, the outreach manager for Virginia American Water and I started uh, partnering. And the uh, the president of the regional Virginia American Water entity and Karen kind of started working you know, they, Karen always works with different people. Um, but we uh, got together and we started doing more communications together. And then it, it was like, well, why don't all three of us get together? So we have this group of dynamic, fun women. We meet once a month. We are doing 
all of these amazing events together. Love we're it. doing, we're debuting a one water video um, at the end of this month around drinking water and wastewater professionals appreciation day. Oh. We partnered on national engineers uh, week and did a video there. And for international women's day, we had all of our brilliant women in water in Alexandria. So we have this whole plan, this phased plan, and we get together every month mm -hmm. and review the plan and how are we doing. We're debuting a logo, a One Water oh, cool. Alexandria logo. Mm -hmm. And we just have, we have plans for the next couple years. We're going to do a joint education program. We have a lot coming. Um, and so Exciting. that is one. Well, we have to because yeah. it's so important that our customers understand yes. who they're getting a bill from and why. I mean, because mm -hmm. it, it, we get questions about stormwater. Uh, we have people, if we do a rate increase and Virginia American Water is doing a rate increase at about the same time, mm -hmm. people get confused. Yeah. So we don't want our community to be confused right. when yeah. it comes to water. And you're sharing resources. And, and we are. Like yes. Yes, we are. We're sharing, uh, we're sharing resources when and it it makes it much more efficient when yes. you're trying to do things and right. you're a public entity so it really helps um, the Alex renew brand was created so we created our brand identity back in 2012 with our new look and our name Alexandria renew enterprises and then we did a lot of what I would call the brand underpinnings um, once I got there, uh, Karen and I agreed that we needed to do that. So um, a brand is about the personality, the mantra, the architecture. Uh, it's about the messaging, the positioning. I mean, there's a whole mm -hmm. kind of a brand guide. Mm -hmm. But you have to do that work first, and you have to talk to your employees and your customers and your board and your vendors, everybody, to really understand what exists already like how do people see you and yeah. it's kind of it's what's real with the brand but then there's also some aspirational parts too and we have four brand roles that we message off of uh let me see innovator transformer good neighbor and problem solver Ooh, and, and is your archetypes that's our brand architecture yeah, and and <laughs> and we internally um we have signage we use we use our brand campaign internally and externally for consistency awesome. um we also we have when you start at alex renew you get a magnet that talks about our values and brand for your locker you get a little i can send these to you guys oh, yeah. you get a little brochure that talks about our values um and our brand and you know that we're problem solvers and it talks about some of the problems we've solved and cool. the problems we're going to solve so um we really try to unite everyone around the brand and when we introduced Alexandria's water transformers we had some internal town hall meetings just like they were talking about this morning yeah so um it, yeah and we're just continuing and Karen it's really important that leadership remain mm. committed to yes. the brand yes. and Karen is a model of that I am so fortunate to have a leader who talks about us being transformers yes. and problem solvers consistently yes. Yeah, Perfect. that's yeah. so important. First of all, Alex Renew sounds sexy. I mean, yeah, sexy. it is. It is. <laughs> like, I want to know yeah. that brand. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's really cool. And um, 
Well, and we used to be Alexandria Sanitation Authority, which isn't sexy. That's, that doesn't sound as sexy. Nor no. is it cool. Everybody thought we picked up their trash, but Renew. Yeah. When I say Alex Renew, I have to shrug my shoulders around. <laughs> Ooh, well, Renew and Transform oh are gosh, very similar. Awesome so. words. Yeah. yeah. In there. Yeah. Um, so I know that you serve on NACWA as a, as a vice chair. What's one thing about NACWA that maybe for those people who are listening who aren't familiar with, uh, what's one thing about them that you want that people to know about and why they should be involved in the c- communications committee or in general, yeah, in, in general. general, but I mean, of course we're, so, so I know. We're so, always recruiting okay. Folks. So in NACWA, the thing about NACWA that I love is that there, there are people in NACWA who have such great knowledge and they're willing to share. Um, I have been in so many different industries and I have never worked in an industry where people are so willing and actually enthusiastic to share and, uh, you know, help each other. It's just incredible. The public servant heart Mm. that exists in NACWA and in our industry. And I remember my first NACWA meeting, I was so intimidated when I walked in the door because there were all these brilliant engineers and general Mm. managers running around but they were so welcoming and kind to me um jeff thierman who was um in st louis and who's now a senior leader at brown and caldwell mm-hmm. he was one of the first um chach who was at northeast ohio um he was very welcoming and so many others and okay. these are people who are just caring and brilliant mm-hmm. and it's just such a great and I'm so passionate about NACWA and, and yeah. from a communications standpoint um, it has been great to see the communications committee growing and growing and there's a lot of the same spirit there mm-hmm. and I think that as the issues that we have with aging infrastructure and emerging contaminants and all these things come to the forefront, Mm -hmm. it is key to have a communications leadership in our industry and in our um, water agencies because otherwise we're going to be in trouble you know we're not um, we're not going to be able to build that cushion of goodwill that we need to have in our communities when something does happen Um, we're not going to be able to communicate as transparently and clearly so people understand what why we exist and what we do and that it's essential and that we're protecting the health of our communities and our environment. So I just think that um, I've seen many more leaders definitely embrace communications and it's not a bad word. Yeah. Yeah. Branding Mm. is not the B word. It's branding. Communications (laughs) is not a bad word either. It's all really a good thing. And it helps. Here's another, here's a, here's a good word, connect. It helps Mm. us connect with our customers and we can't be hiding behind our our cloak of invisibility anymore. We have to be like Harry Potter and And throw it off eventually. Mm. Okay. So I already was fangirling (laughs) like this whole time. She just Harry Potter to you. She did. This, I I give credit to Karen for that because she she said it first, and I took it from her. I, I, I stole it. You can, you can do that all day, <laughs> but I mean, I can feel and hear. People say that. I can feel your passion. I can feel your passion. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> thank, you. thank you for yeah. that, because now you've got me like, yeah, let's go communicate. Yeah. <laughs> Redo some brands. Like, yeah. Let's go connect today. Yes. So thank you for 
for pumping me up. <laughs> well, I love that you ended with uh, connections because curating connections is one of our core values. Yep. And Terrific. we appreciate you taking the time out of your conference time to come yeah. sit in here and chat with us today. We appreciate that. Thank you for being here. Well, Thank I'm you. honored to have the opportunity to speak with you both. Thank you so much. Well, we are here with Bess McCoy, who is on the NACWA Communications Committee. You're a comms committee officer. Am I correct? I am. Great. Um, And she is also the public affairs specialist at Metropolitan St. Louis Sewer District. So I'm super excited about that because I have spent a lot of time in St. Louis. So I'm ready to hear what's happened when I've left St. Louis and they've taken care of, you know, the waste that I produced while I was there. So (laughs) (laughs) that's what we do. (laughs) She's like, done. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay, Bess, so tell me real quickly, well, it doesn't have to be real quickly. You can take your time. Um, How did you get into the water story? A lot of times when we're talking to folks, um, it's kind of this question of, did you choose water or did water choose you? So how would you answer that question? Oh, that's a good question. I, I would say a little bit of both. Um, so I started my career in advertising and it was a terrible fit. Um, <laughs> I knew almost immediately it was a terrible fit. Um, and so eventually I found my way into public information. Mm-hmm. Um, and what really drew me there was just the community service aspect. Yes. Yeah. Um, I love being a part of my community, uh, being able to impact public policy and really make a difference and see that difference. Um, So I worked for a local municipality for about three years, greatest experience of my life, but um, you kind of get to a point where you're ready for the next step. Mm -hmm. Um, And luckily, uh, we have the Metropolitan St. Louis Sewer District in town. Um, It's one of the biggest government organizations in our area. Um, And of course, the idea of getting to provide uh, vital public health service and also environmental service um, really, really drew me to it. Um, And I couldn't be happier. Well, welcome to uh, the blue side, the dark side. I don't know what it is on uh, the, the the wastewater side, but it's still the blue. It's side. still blue. Still yeah, blue. we're yeah. still we're still about clean water. Yeah. Team blue. Okay. <laughs> um, well, I know that St. Louis, uh, actually, all of us, even in Texas, across the well, in the parts of the country that I keep up with, that I know we've been getting a ton of rain, and mm. I know that so in St. Louis, that is you've got some pretty legit rivers and you're in your backyard so I mean that's a that's a huge deal as public affairs specialist how are you guys communicating these issues um, in terms of flooding with the community so we're actually experiencing one of the largest flood events um, in the recent past right now Um, it's actually really difficult for me to be away from it right now because I want to be in there helping our community Um, thank God we have a great team they're back at home taking care of things so I can be here but um, we're experiencing the largest flood event we've had in the last 25 years right now Um, But one of the biggest things that we do is, and this is is for everything, we get out ahead of it immediately. So um, it's June right now. We're having these flooding events. We started communicating about this in March. Uh, We started reaching out to our media partners, getting the story out that we're taking proactive steps. We are going to protect the sewer system. And then here's what you as our customers can do. Here's how you can protect your home. Um, Here's the things that you can do to make sure that you're not impacted by the flooding and if you are that that you've taken the steps ahead of time to protect yourself financially 
Um, so we actually have a annually we do a know your zone flood awareness campaign. Um, and what's interesting about this is we are not a flood authority. We're not a flood control agency. We don't cover flooding in any of our services. So it's kind of it's kind of odd for us to be out there talking about flooding. But um, what we realized is that you know we are a stormwater utility, and our customers understand that we're we're providing those stormwater services. And so of course when it rains or they experience flooding, we're the first people. They they think of right. unfortunately yeah. um, so we would get a ton of calls from people who experienced flooding and uh, they didn't know what to do they hadn't taken the proper steps ahead of time and they really just didn't have the information to make an informed decision to protect themselves um, and of course as a government agency um, you know even though we can't help them. We don't have those resources or that authority. Uh, we knew that there was a problem, and we knew we were at least in a position to inform and educate, which yeah. is our job. So. Yeah, I love it. So in addition to building those um, media relationships, which, I mean, we've heard throughout the conference just kind of how important that is, what's some of the other public outreach or engagement that you've been doing around this awareness campaign ahead of it, like you said, when you were kind of in advance of the the rains coming. Yeah, so we, uh, like I said, that Know Your Zone, we do it every April because mm-hmm. that's around the time people are at least um, interested in hearing about flooding. Yeah. That's when we're getting a lot of rain. Um, that's when we can get our media partners to, um, you know, entertain the, the message. Um, but we also get out in the community. We do a lot of community engagement around this. Um, St. Louis is a baseball town. Oh, yes. You know, um, <laughs> you know, go Blues. It's absolutely a hockey town as well. Mm-hmm. But um, baseball is the most commonly practiced religion in St. Louis. Oh, so yeah. um, April is, of course, um, opening day. So we're always out at the Cardinals opening day, um, getting that message out to as many people as we can. Um, we've also been partnering with real estate agents, um, which is a really good resource because these are people who are talking to brand new homeowners. um, And and that's when you want to reach people because that's when they're looking into insurance. Um, And that's really what, that's what it takes is, is buying flood insurance. You have to understand your risk um, and understand that the only way to protect yourself is to purchase that additional rider and and cover yourself with flood insurance. So they've been a really great resource for us to, to reach those homeowners. So we love that when you click on what we do on your website, that the very first thing you see is outreach. Absolutely. I love it. Talk to us about the value of outreach in the water sector and what MSD is doing. Yeah. So when I think about outreach, I think about, you know, we've already talked about using our our media partners Mm -hmm. um, and they're absolutely essential. But, you know, I think it was said earlier in one of the panels here at Stratcom that, you know, their role is not to inform and educate. That's our role. Um, And so we absolutely use them. But I think being out in the community is so essential. Um, Reaching out personally to our customers, um, being where they are. So we do a lot of getting out, going to those community events, making making our presence known, um, and also working with our municipal partners to do that. That's awesome. So um, you are on the, the communication committee as an officer for NACWA. 
What's something for those of our listeners who may not be as familiar with NACWA or what it's all about or why they should be involved? What's that one thing that really stands out to you that you really want people to know about the organization and why they should get involved? You know, what stands out to me, and you especially see that here at Stratcom, which I cannot recommend Stratcom enough. It's such a great conference. But, um, but what really stands out to me is the fact that we're all facing the same problems. Um, our communities might be a little bit different, and even those problems might be a little bit different, but we're trying to solve the same problems, and we're trying to achieve the same goal. And so um, NACWA is such a great way to communicate with those other communication professionals, find out what they're doing, what's working in their community, and and what can you take back and and learn from that. Um, you know, the unofficial theme of this year's Stratcom <laughs> is steal that fill in the blank. <laughs> Um, but that's absolutely one of the greatest. Uh, technically, hold on. Technically, I'm allowed to say that. Steal that shit. There. That's what <laughs> she meant podcast. to say. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> We've heard worse. It's okay. But really, that that is one of the greatest benefits, um, especially for communication professionals. Um, and aside from Stratcom, we also do um, quarterly calls, and, and we really treat those like miniature Stratcom mm-hmm. sessions. So Ooh. they're about an hour and a half, two hours max, um, but we try to bring in a panel or experts to talk about a specific subject. Um, yeah. So you really get a lot of takeaways from those as well. Yeah. And then we also have our online community through NACWA Engage, which again is a great resource. Um, you know, throw out questions, see what other people are doing. Um, you don't have to reinvent the wheel really and, like and NACWA mm-hmm. really helps you avoid that. So hearing you hearing you say about, talk about that is a lot of times, I'm, I'm so excited to hear that and that that's a resource that's out there and available to folks because so many times in this industry, we... Even for some cities that are pretty big in size that you would think would have a much larger communication staff, don't. And so a lot of times it's, you know, one man, one woman teams. And so that whole idea of collaboration and that mind share and brainstorm, like, it's so important because especially when you're trying to do things that are a little creative or innovative, it's really hard to be to do that in a vacuum. And so having the ability to kind of ideas off of each other. Mm. Yeah, that's incredibly important. Well, in this industry, especially, I've found is one of the nicest, friendliest. I mean, everyone is so willing to help out and to share, um, and they really see the value in that collaboration. Well, thanks for sharing with us with that resource, because that's the first that we've heard about that. So that's definitely um, something that, yeah. Yes. (laughs) I mean, I heard someone say. You're doing a great um, job as the comms committee officer. (laughs) I heard someone say the engage thing earlier this morning, and I was like, I wonder what that is. Yeah. So thank you. We appreciate that. Yeah, it's a great resource. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Thank you absolutely for sharing that with us. And thank you for taking some time out of uh, the session to come speak with us. We really appreciate that. And um, thanks for speaking with us today. Thanks for having me. Well, we are here at the NACWA Stratcom Conference in Cleveland, Ohio, actually, and we are speaking with Executive Director Tom Sigmund from New Water in Green Bay, Wisconsin. So, Tom, thank you so much for being with us today. You're welcome. All right. So, 
So um, Arianne and I were both public educators for utilities for 10 years before we went rogue and started this company. So, uh, and you know, we used to tell people all the time that they needed to use water more efficiently because we couldn't make new water for them. And you guys are like, well, actually, we can. And you rebranded two of your market or of your wastewater treatment plants as new water, which is bold, and I love that. So. How are you communicating that move from being a wastewater treatment plant to this idea of new water to your customers who may not quite understand what all that means? It was about five years ago we were talking with um, our customers and realizing we were going to have to talk to a new set of customers as we started moving outside of the fence around our treatment plants and into the watershed. Started to do utility of the future work, realized we were going to have the largest public works uh, capital project uh, in our history, and so we needed to, to talk differently with our customers and realize that people don't want to talk about wastewater. They don't want to talk about sewage. What they want to talk in general about is water. And so um, the new part is we take uh, um, what our customers are done with. It's a, it's a waste product to them, and they give it to us, and we try to create something new, which is clean water and clean air out of it. We're also recovering resources. Um, so the new part is that, and it's also um, Northeast Wisconsin is oftentimes used as N-E-W something. Ah, I like it, yes. So instead of being the new chiropractic clinic, we're new water. <laughs> I love that. That's fun. Okay, so one thing we love about this side of the water industry is the boldness and the innovation and this forward thinking. Can you talk to us about the utility of the future concept what does that mean for new water and clean water service organizations at large? Well, at new water, um, we realized that, uh, you know, we had done pretty well the things that we were initially charged at, and that's treating wastewater, um, producing high-quality effluent, and protecting public health. But we also realized that uh, where we were going to have the largest impact on our community was not going to be with inside the fence, but it was going to be outside the fence. Mm -hmm. The most significant part of 97% of, uh, um, of the phosphorus that enters the Bay of Green Bay comes from out, uh, from not from within our treatment facility. So um, we, we, I had been involved in the utility of the future uh, work concept, and we just started the process of thinking about um, what is next for us as a utility and um, just moving forward from, and truly moving forward instead of kind of staying stay where we were. Um, and I liked, before we started rolling or recording, we um, mentioned that you are an engineer by trade and by schooling, but you're at the Stratcom conference, you're moderating a session all on internal communication. Like, when, have you always been a believer, or did something happen in your career that turned you into a com communication believer? Like, tell me more about that story. Um about uh, on this large project, this um, it's a $170 million capital project, which uh, more than doubled the rates to our customers. We believe we were doing a pretty good job of communicating. Uh, we had a smaller stakeholder group. And once we uh, rolled the, the rates out, the rate impact out, our customers just kind of went into shock. And we realized that all the conversations that we've been having and all the back and forth, they just couldn't comprehend that amount of money. What they could comprehend was their rates doubling, and we hadn't talked yeah. about that. And so we took a pause because um, we were not going to get this project through, took a pause, and um, uh, 
reformed with our, our customers, asked them what they really wanted to talk about. Um, as, we're as transparent as we can be on the project. Um, didn't win them all over, but we did have some of the customers who were concerned say, I understand why you're doing it. Um, I don't like the cost, but I, but I understand why you're doing it. So I have been, um, it's been a slow convert uh, uh, for I, me. Oh, that's awesome. I'll take any pace. You're like <laughs> the Tom uh, Hickman of Wisconsin. <laughs> so um, Tom Hickman, who is the director of engineering and planning in Bend, Oregon, who is now, um, in, I think in August 1st, going to be the CEO of, of Tualatin Valley over in the Pacific Northwest. But He's our episode 18 and 19, and when we heard him present at the Utilities Management Conference in 2018, it was just, he told his story, which was very similar to yours, and how he became a believer in uh, public engagement, and it just uh, gave us goosebumps. I mean, it stirred us, so I, I love hearing those stories. Um, he actually got taken to, what was it, like, Seventh, ninth district court or something like over their whole it was it's an amazing story but I'm always excited to see when um, we start bringing engineers over to the Convert. dark side yeah, yeah start converting them um, we're firm believers that great communication begin internally like I mentioned before you're moderating an upcoming internal communication session um, why do you think this is so important or to you um, where have you seen internal comms done well? And um, what's the one thing utilities can start doing today that you think can help improve this? I know I just asked you three questions. So I'll, go, I'll remind you of the first one. Why is it so important to you? Um, if your employees aren't on board, um, the public's not going to get on board. Um, employees are our ambassadors, uh, not just uh, you know within the facilities, but outside the facilities. They they have they have friends, they have family, they have contacts, and they can either talk well about uh, how the communication is going or poorly. Um, as we um, we'd done a survey uh, about uh, three years ago, and it was our uh, uh, employee involvement engagement survey. And we found out that we were not communicating as well. And, and the question, it was put in the form of, I know what's going on at New Water. And we didn't do very well. Um, and so we have put the effort into trying to figure out how to communicate better with our employees. We have the standard monthly newsletter, which we tried to make it better to have more um, engagement with the employees. Um, they also said they wanted to hear from me more. So, um, yes. which uh, I... I do something, uh, um, I'd like to do it weekly, but it's probably every other week, uh, usually is um, an email that comes out, Tom's Thoughts. And uh, nice. so hopefully when they see Tom's Thoughts in the, uh, um, the tag headline that they don't uh, delete it right away. <laughs> but trying to communicate something of, of that, just, that I feel important that the employees uh, be aware of. Yeah, I Ooh. love that, yes. How do we get on that mailing list? I wanna hear, I wanna hear Tom's Thoughts, yeah. So uh, what's one of the things that you have done through your own internal communications that you think where you've really seen the most impact? Was it through the Tom's thoughts or has there been other things where you've gotten feedback from employees that was like, that really works, I really like that? Yeah, the, the, that um, and a number of employees have said they really appreciate uh, hearing kind of unfiltered what, what I'm thinking at the time. Um, I do, I, I started um, a little over three and a half years ago lunch with Tom. Um, and so we have uh, four divisions. One of them is very large. And so each of the divisions um, selects an employee. Um, so we get five people that will come and we sit down and have lunch. They're really the um, uh, 
format for it is, is pretty simple. Bring lunch in, and then each of the, uh, the employees go around the room, and we tell a little bit about what we're doing, who we are, what's, what someone in the group might find interesting. They have the opportunity to talk to me because we found that in large groups, we, we were doing employee um, all-employee briefings. So we had to split them into two. And it, it, was, it was a one-way communication, really no feedback. And so we found that to be really helpful. And then uh, as best I can, um, and my executive team, we get out and walk around in the facilities and, and are trying to make contacts. So I mean, superstar right here. <laughs> yes. Watch out, because I think you're going to make it to the next 30 and 30 presentation. <laughs> so your name on that slide. I just can't um, overstate how important that is for the director to be visible like that. It's just uh, we, one of our guys that we used to work with, Alex Whiteway, he was in the military, and he used to talk about the, all the time about how much it meant to all of the soldiers when the the gen not I don't know if it was the generals but when the General. commanders or whatever would come in and sit down with the guys and have or in, guys and gals and have a meal or just come and talk and say say hello and and that's not just something that's in the military you know that's important for all of them and so it's, it's important and to do it consistently so that when you do go out there the people aren't thinking, oh, are we being spied on? Are we doing something wrong? I mean, if you make it consistent and a part of your culture, it's something that just kind of happens. Um, but sometimes with things related to new programs or new internal communication strategies and stuff can seem overwhelming for utilities that maybe aren't doing that yet or haven't done anything. So what's kind of like the first step that you can offer as words of advice to other utilities out there who want to improve their internal communications? Like, what's the first thing they should do? First is, is difficult, because um, there's a lot of firsts, but um, I think it is just uh, start. Um, uh, you, you take the first steps. Um, it, it doesn't have to be transformational to the organization, but I think you need to be consistent with it. Um, a, a consultant uh, that we work with uh, gave us a, a phrase that I remember, make it weird until it's not. Oh, I love that. That's my MO for my, my whole life. <laughs> and and so it, for the most part, when you do change, it, 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 it's weird. Um, when, when we started lunch with staff, it, it felt weird. Sure. When I go out and, and see staff and my typical question is, what are you working on? And it's not, a, it's not an, um, an interrogation, but it's, it's a genuine interest I have in what you're working on. And uh, um, it seems weird. Um, but three years later, it doesn't seem so weird. Right. It's not weird anymore. I love it. That's awesome. Can I ask one more question? Sure. I wanted to ask you, when you said that you did that internal survey, what, how did you do it? What was the, how did you collect all that data? We, uh, we used, um, uh, St. Norbert College, um, which did a, a blind, you know, so, so they, they collected all the information. They kept track of it. We, we had, um, no, no knowledge of who said what, um, and and it was tough building the trust with our employees. Um, uh, but we had uh, uh, ninety-seven percent response, wow. which which meant that people had something to say. Yes. And so we've done that survey. Uh, we did it two years later, and we we did make some improvements. We still got a ways to go, so sure. uh, keep working at it. Can you tell me one thing about NACWA that people should know about? 
I think NACWA is uh, um, the best representation that we have in our industry, um, both for uh, legislative um, and uh, regulatory. Um, they have the best staff in the business. I have worked with uh, the NACWA staff for uh, 12 years, and, and I, they are definitely the best in the business, and I think uh, any utility should uh, want to be a part of that. That's a great shout out. Um, well, thank you for joining us today. Yeah. And um, I'm going to add you to our list of favorite Toms now. Yes. <laughs> we are incredibly excited to be here with Kyle Dreyfus Wells, who is not only a board member on NACWA, but also the CEO of Northeast Ohio Regional Sewer District, which we are huge fans of. Huge fans. Um, and so it's an honor to be sitting here with you. Congratulations on being named one of Northeast Ohio's most influential women. I mean, represent in the water biz. That's right. Thanks very much. Yeah, it's great. You, um, uh, do I understand, you went to Ohio State, correct? I did. I went to the Ohio State I'm University. Sorry. Yes. The Ohio for my, State. For my undergrad. Yeah, as Mr. Nice. Buzzfish girl always corrects us. It's yes, I, I forgot. That's um, right. Are you from Ohio originally? I was born in upstate New York because my parents were big hippies, but I am uh, <laughs> I am Cleveland grown. So since you're Cleveland born, well, I want to talk about the Cuyahoga River for a second and, and the whole story around that because that is one of the stories that when I was in graduate school that blew my mind, changed my life, w brought me to water. Um, that's not a story that everyone hears though, at least not in Texas where I went to school, but is that different in Ohio? Does, does that story kind of shape the perception around environmental issues and water quality, or is it still kind of only in the water nerd circles? It's that's such a great question because, you know, I can speak for myself. Yeah. I think that the Cuyahoga River story definitely shapes things in the water circles for sure. Mm -hmm. But I think in general, a lot of people, I was born in 1968, and I think a lot of people that grew up in that time didn't know anything about the river. Mm. I remember in high school having a German exchange student come and say, I want to go to the water. And I thought, what? Why would you want to do that? Yeah. And how do I find that water of which you speak? <laughs> yeah. So I think it was so severe that people turned their back on the river that it wasn't really mm. even in people's consciousness. Mm -hmm. And we're seeing such a big change in that now where people are turning to face the river. And remember, the Cuyahoga isn't our only river. It's sort yeah. of our charismatic mega river that we have here. Yeah, but we fine. have all, Northeast Ohio is really water rich and we have a lot of streams. So people can contact streams uh, on their evening walks. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, since this is such a mon monumental year for your charismatic river, as you put it, I love that. Um, what are some of the stories that you're kind of telling around that this year uh, in Ohio? And do you think that it, it's making an impact? Are you seeing that? So the story that resonates mostly for me and for the Northeast Ohio Regional Sewer District is the story of success under yes. the Clean Water Act. And I think everyone needs to sort of scream this from the rooftops. Absolutely. The Cuyahoga River is an example of the Clean Water Act working. Mm -hmm. We had regulation and funding combined to result in this water quality improvement. And I just emphasize to everybody, this is not magic. It's not like it just happened, you know, Aladdin came out of the bottle and, you know, somehow this is magic. This was a very deliberate work 
uh, since 1972 of enforcement, compliance, assistance, uh, elected officials that had the mm -hmm. guts to pass these rates, yeah. and then building the structure to protect water quality. And it was sort of an all hands on deck thing, but it was not a bake sale. <laughs> ah, I love it. God, I love you. So in your opening remarks this morning, you said if your customers have a negative impression of the public sector, regardless of the reason, it's all um, of our responsibility to fix that. And that statement resonates with something you said later about how your organization is driven by the three T's, mm -hmm. to be mm. truthful, timely, and thoughtful. We wanted to stand up and slow clap, yes. fast <laughs> clap, loud clap, cheer, yes. all the above. Mm. Um, can you talk to us more about that? So I think the thing that brought me to the environmental sector is this whole concept of service. Yes. And I think that those, what you just talked about, and we sort of live that at the sewer district and many of my colleagues do as well, this idea that the public is paying you for a service. Yes. And you have a responsibility to provide that service to them. And you also have a, a responsibility internal to provide service to your colleagues. And I just think life is so much more interesting and fun when we're sort of all working together towards a common cause. Yes. But it's it's really to uh, the core of the work that we do that we need to be clear and transparent and timely in our response to folks so that they trust that the service we're providing is there. And we've had so many examples where that trust has been broken that mm -hmm. those of us that are working in the environmental and in the government field now, I think have an extra burden mm -hmm. to sort of uh, make up for some of the mistakes of the past. Sure. Well, I love the way that you empowered us with um, the kind of call to action to going to the part of where you said that people may have a negative connotation regardless of the reason. So I think you said something about they may be pissed off about some zoning issue, but since you're associated with government or with the city, they're still going to be upset with you about it, but that you have the opportunity to turn that around just by your engagement and your interaction with them. So I thought that was like own it, like take accountability for it. It may not be your job or your fault, but that doesn't mean that you can't be a part of making it better and be a part of the solution. So thank you for that. That's right. I mean, I think if a, if a public employee says, if someone comes up to them and says, I want to talk to you about XYZ and that person says, well, I can't help you with that. Mm. That's such a sad thing mm -hmm. to say. I yes. mean, it just brings that conversation to a halt. And then that person doesn't know where to go because to many of us, it's clear you go here for water, you go here for electricity, you go here for gas, but the average person, right. why should they have to figure that all out? So, mm. you know, let's help each other out. My favorite part was the timely. Yes. Yeah, if you right. didn't, if you, you said if you had um, any voicemails left on your, your inbox, you didn't finish the day. I'm like, ooh. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm that was calling pointing. her out big yeah, time. Yeah, right. you called me out back in my day with being she had a like public 14 service. unheard messages and on it from like 10 years ago. No, okay, not 10 <laughs> years. But still, I mean, I just sat there and I was like, oh, there's so many things I wish I could go back and do just a little bit differently. So I want to tell the you know, Arians of the world who have those voicemails left and those emails unchecked, just answer them and right. move on. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. just give them their answer and let's move on. And they can be hard. And that's where I think it's really important on leadership to make mm -hmm. sure that folks are empowered to give the difficult answer, to say, no, I'm sorry, we are not going to repave the street in front of your house <laughs> until 2021. And here's right. why. Right. Yeah. As long as your reason for why makes sense. Mm -hmm. But if you give them a reason for why and it doesn't make any sense, then you need to check yourself. Ooh, and that's, yes. you know, that's an important thing. We also like that, the whole check yourself, 
because we went to check yourself before you wreck yourself. And I, we loved how you said check your terms because that's so true. Oh and and we, we just, we have our own language. We have our own acronyms. We have just this way of talking to one another. And so it's so important for us. Um, even I think it was Gary, and I can't remember the name of the organization he was with now, but just talking about the different way that we perceive water quality right. from yes. internally to what our customers think. So, yes, mm-hmm. check your terms, y'all. That was Gary Bellin from American Rivers. And yes. they, Thank you for that. they do great work. And that his presentation about translation mm. was really helpful. And it wasn't just, he didn't just say you need to translate. He actually had these great examples great yeah. of examples. ways to translate. So that yeah. was great. Yes, yeah. it was. Um, and uh, your social media needs no translation because it's just always on point. We can't, I, we, I think we've gushed about you all day today, but your communications manager, John Gonzalez, is actually doing a live podcast interview with us at our Catalyst Mastermind Summit that's going down in June. And right. so, first of all, we're over the moon to have the, <laughs> oh the John G <laughs> on our podcast talking water comms, but you and your team are seriously leading. Yeah the way um and even as last year in 2018 we're still hearing from watercoms folks who are struggling to get management buy-in to do social media um you're the ceo of the organization that is leading the way what's your message to those managers or people in leadership of other entities who are a little unsure about this and who may not share your viewpoint on the importance of social media Well, I think it's important for folks to realize that you have no choice. So whatever your discomfort is, analyze your discomfort, figure out where it's coming from, cure it. Mm -hmm. If you can't cure it, hire someone who can cure it and Mm. get out of their way. Because you need not only to communicate to people on social media, but remember, a lot of your customers are not on social media at all, which means you need to go where they are. And this sort of old school idea that we'll hold a public meeting at six o'clock in the evening on a Tuesday and everyone (laughs) will come. And then if people don't come, it's somehow indicative that they are on board. That is that's done. It's old school. So you need to go where people are, hook on to partners that people trust, and, uh, you know, embrace that social media. It's no longer a choice. And it's really irresponsible if you're not going out on those platforms where people Mm -hmm. are. Mm. Absolutely. And the the three T's is definitely demonstrated in... In y'all's approach on social media too. I mean, it's it's always timely and relevant. There's always an amazing connection that makes it just relevant and in real life and real time. There's you can tell that there's thought put into it, and it just it feels so transparent. So those three T's are transcending into yes. into <laughs> your comms yeah, world. I actually so. thought I asked John G, are you really human because you're so relevant? Right. <laughs> and I'm like, do you sleep? <laughs> <laughs> like, how well, do you have time to do this? Right, like, and if you guys can fluster John G, I would that would be amazed. I mean, he is the coolest dude out there. Oh yeah, yeah. Cool so, I mean, yeah. we're we're good Sub at making zero. people cool. awkward. So, well, <laughs> challenge accepted. Yeah. Okay, so I want to know what's the one thing about Naqua that people should know about. Naqua is a great convening, and I think it's so important in this business. We all think our problems are unique, but they're not. They're not unique. You know, the very detailed specifics might be unique, but the basic idea is you screwed up, someone doesn't understand what you're doing, 
you lo- you don't have the money to do what you need to do. You don't have the engineering. I mean, these are all common themes. Mm-hmm. And NACWA provides that forum for folks to talk to each other beyond the soundbite. Mm-hmm. And that's what's so so great about what NACWA does. And with Adam's leadership, it's you know gone to the next level in terms of bringing in diverse voices. Mm-hmm. That's a really, really important component. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so NACWA provides that opportunity in all sorts of different ways. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. Well, we were incredibly excited to not only ha- get to speak to you lovely folks at NACWA, but to yes. get the opportunity to meet you as well. So thank you for being um, not only a leader in the water industry, but a leader for women out there in the water industry as well. Um, we, we couldn't have a better better model to look up to. So thank you for your leadership and for taking the time out to speak with us today. Thanks. Thank and thanks for the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Never miss out on future episodes by signing up for the Water Nerd newsletter. Found at the h2duo.com forward slash newsletter. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram at the underscore h2duo. We share all of our new episodes there as well as in the newsletter. So whether we come across your feed or in your inbox, be sure to share episodes with your friends, family, colleagues, fellow water nerds. Help us spread the word. We hope you learned something new today, got a little inspired, or did something that brought you one step closer to your goal. Until next time, remember what one of our favorite quotes says, Those who tell the stories rule the world.